You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio. Honest conversations, love notes, and strategies to grow a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I'm Megan Hale, integrity expert, bringing mindset and energetic wisdom to help you show up braver, go all in, and expand into your fullest expression. Let's do this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio, the place to be for mindset and energetic wisdom for growing a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I am your host, Megan Hale, and if you are new here, welcome. I'm so glad you're joining us. This podcast is one part inner work and one part outer action to become the leader our dreams need us to be. We are well into our money series at this point point where I'm sharing my spiritual journey from an all new perspective, unraveling how I've shifted the way that I relate to money, build wealth, financial stewardship, and financial confidence. And if you haven't listened to the first few episodes of the season, you'll want to tune in as I've laid the groundwork for what we'll be getting into today. Now, before we get into today's episode, I want to take you behind the scenes of the next Wild and Holy Weekend, which has beautifully transitioned into a business intensive weekend open to three women who are ready for higher level strategy and deep level mindset work to hit their goals with ease this year. There is one spot left, and not only will we be doing a spa day at La Cantera's Four Diamond Loma de Vida Resort, but we'll be blending morning mindset sessions with afternoon strategy sessions, plus a one-on-one business intensive with me to bring all of this together to grow your business while honoring your deepest truths. Wild and Holy Weekend Business Intensive is for you if you're on the cusp of a business pivot. You've likely been in business for one to two years, but you are ready to step into something more. And although you know it's time to up-level your mindset in order to make those big leaps, you also need the strategy that goes with it, that protects your life-work boundaries, that keeps things incredibly simple, and plays to your strengths as you step into this new direction. If that is you, you can claim the last spot at wildandholyweekend.com. This is perfect for you if you want some time away from the day-to-day to do deep strategy with the time to integrate, reflect, contemplate, and relax. It's perfect for you if you want inner shifts that carry with you for months and months to come as you expand in your leadership. It's also perfect for you if you want to feel more grounded and clear in what you're building this year with the actual how to make it happen. If that's you, your investment is $22.50 for an all-inclusive weekend. And I mean all your food, lodging, spa treatments, coaching, strategy, excursions, like everything. I have an amazing weekend plan for us, April 11th through 14th. So if you're feeling the pull to come work with me in person in an intimate setting that gives you unparalleled one-on-one attention with the luxury that goes with it, I would love to work with you. You can find out all you need to know at wildandholyweekend.com. You'll fly into San Antonio. You'll be taken to our retreat house for a weekend that you'll never forget. So now onto our episode. So for the past two episodes, we have been talking about business shifts and inner shifts to start making more money. Today, we're going even deeper into four core beliefs that have helped me immensely to stress less and live more, which really translates into how to unhook yourself from money while still prioritizing it because we can have both, okay? And in my opinion, we need both. We can be both deeply oriented to serve and be deeply motivated to earn. We can be both deeply passionate about saving 
and be deeply committed to investing. The space where money finds its ease is really leaning into the both and, okay? Kind of like we were starting in last episode when we're talking about being wealthy and holy, holy and wealthy, right? But ease doesn't just stop there. So today, we are really diving into how we create different beliefs around money so it feels lighter, more easeful, more sacred, more joyful. And we're also going to start to shift the narrative of how we relate to money, and in particular, how we start to open up to receive more of it. Are you ready to dive in? Okay, let's go. So the first shift that I have cultivated for myself is this. Money loves meaning and mindfulness. Now, one of the biggest blocks I had to work through with money is all the negative messaging I had received about it. (laughs) And there were plenty of negative messages. To want money is selfish and superficial. To want money is dangerous and evil. To want money is greedy and lustful. To want money is like flat out wrong, okay? (laughs) Money was positioned in such a way that you obviously stayed away from it. But what I started to see through this journey of mine is that money described in this way was grossly one-sided, okay? And as with all things, nothing is all bad or all good, just like no person is all right or all wrong, right? The pieces that seem to be vastly missing in my current definition of money were both love and self-control. Almost as if having money meant you couldn't also be loving and kind. Or if you had it, money would end up controlling you versus you controlling it. Now, we'll be getting into the five love languages of money in a future episode, but part of what laid the foundation for me stepping into those five love languages was recognizing that if money was viewed as such a terrible thing, what it needed was healing. And the most potent ways I know to heal something is to give it my presence, my curiosity, and positive regard. Or said in another way, instead of avoiding or fearing something, we move closer. We get curious. We seek to understand. As Brene Brown says, it's hard to hate close up. That goes for people. But I want to apply this to money. Because how close up was I allowing myself to get? And to get closer. What did I need to establish about money where it felt safer for me to approach it? So firstly, I had to acknowledge that money, in my perspective, was grossly misunderstood. Money carried a certain level of power. And the type of power I look towards in the world is both mindful and meaningful. It acts with well-thought-out, considerate purpose. It makes decisions deliberately and with good intentions. It's grounded and conscientious. It's calm, present, loving, kind. So I started asking myself, was there a way to attribute those same qualities to money? to allow it to derive its power from a similar place, to ground it in values that I admired. And what came from this line of questioning is the realization that money is really whatever we make it, right? It can be corrupt, greedy, and thoughtless, 
or it can be loving, kind, and generous. And what I personally arrived to was the idea that my money loved mindfulness and meaning. It wanted consistent presence, attention, and positive regard. And it also wanted to be attached to a deeper why. Money for the sake of money wasn't truly motivating for me. I needed to know why I wanted a certain amount of cash, what it would do, what it would afford, what it would give, who it would help. And not only did this start to give money a completely different meaning for me, but the motivation to earn it also deepened. And from this place, I started having more fun giving personal meaning to money. I started to find more ways to be mindful with it, how I thought about it, how I treated it, how I spent it, how I gave it, how I saved it, etc. And with a deeper motivation to earn money from this place, I seemed to make more of it to play with it even more. Questions that I would ask myself is what meaning could I give to more money that felt good for me? What tools and strategies could I employ that created more mindfulness with how I stewarded it? Now, it's no surprise that if you've taken the GBB Goals Masterclass, this belief is baked right in, right? We start with understanding our reason for earning, what truly motivates us, what dreams and desires we're grounding our money in. And we also have a built-in system of bringing more mindfulness to how we generate it, save it, invest it, and direct it, right? So if you haven't gone through the GBB Goals Masterclass, make sure you go and find that in the show notes. Now, you might be thinking, I have a real meaning for money in my life, <laughs> as in I need money, like for real, right? And you also might find yourself in that position of needing more money, but still not generating it, still standing in your way of earning it. And if that's you, I want you to hang with me here because oftentimes when we have a super powerful meaning behind money, it means there are some worthiness issues going on in regards to asking for it, which we'll get to later on in this episode, okay? Now, the second belief I've had to shift into is this one. Money is plentiful and easy to make. I shared a little bit about my money story in the last episode. And when you grow up in a household where money is tight, it's really easy to make an assumption that money must be hard to come by. When it's a source of tension, it's easy to assume money must be hard to make. Like why else would people not just make more money if it would heal a lot of the stress, right? So I've really had to lean into the concept that money is abundant. Like money is everywhere. More money is always available. More money is always on its way. This, of course is grounded in the life experiences I shared last episode, that money is renewable and there is always enough. That's one piece and no doubt not an easy one to shift into if you grew up with ideas of scarcity, okay? Those two life experiences I shared last episode were game changers to seeing money as plentiful. But it didn't just start there because to get to plenty, there first must be enough, and we don't only get stuck in the idea that there isn't enough money. We get stuck in the idea that there isn't enough of everything. Not enough clients, not enough room for us, not enough space for ideas, not enough resources, not enough attention, right? And what this really points to is this idea that we aren't enough to stand out from the crowd, okay? And daring to lead, Brene said, the opposite of scarcity isn't abundance. 
it's enough. There's enough. I'm enough. And as many of you know, I have spent a great deal of time here (laughs) sorting through all kinds of ideas of enoughness from pretty much every single angle I can think of. So there was already a strong knowing that I had arrived to that I was enough. Okay. But that was really the foundation for leaning into this idea that there was also enough of everything, enough clients, enough room for me, enough space, enough resources, enough tension, enough love, and yes, enough money. So shifting into the idea that money is plentiful, when it isn't plentiful in your bank account, (laughs) is hard, right? Because where's the proof? Where's the evidence? But just because it isn't plentiful in your account at the moment, does it mean that it's limited in its quantity in the world? Okay. There is plenty of money, like plenty of it. It's plentitude is not the problem. It's the bringing its plentitude into your life. That is, which we'll get to in just a second. Now, money being plentiful will likely rub up against some of your beliefs of scarcity is strongly rooted for you like it was for me. But perhaps an even more difficult piece to accept as true is that money is easy to make. I know I am not the only one who grew up with messages around the idea of hard work is rewarded, right? Like in my family, work ethic was the thing that you hung your hat on. It was a thing that nobody could take from you. And it would take me years to realize that work ethic wasn't about working in a way that reached someone else's expectations or outworking other people. It meant working in a way that was ethically sustainable for you. That was aligned with your values. Okay. So for many years though, and I mean many, like I would say the vast majority (laughs) of my life, I took that idea of hard work to heart and I worked myself into the ground because of it, like 60 hour weeks while working in inpatient care as a psychotherapist, while also building a private practice on the side, working 60 hour weeks, running a private practice while building my coaching practice on the side. I swear, like if I had not had the intervention of enoughness work in 2015 to interrupt this message of productivity, and if I hadn't had the intervention of having children that like drastically shifted my resources, I would likely had just kept plugging away finding like far too much personal worth and hard work with maybe or maybe not the finances to show for it. Because here's my story. I've worked 60 hours a week for $30,000 a year. And I've worked 10 hours a week for $75,000 a year. Like working harder does not equate to earning more. Okay. But here's the thing that I know. Working less will surely bring up all of your stuff if there is a strong message around hard work, productivity, all of those things. For instance, is it okay to be paid well if you aren't busting your ass for it? Are you somehow taking advantage of people if you do good work once and profit over and over from it? Is it fair to make money with ease when others struggle so much for it? There's a little thriver's guilt there, right? And here's the thing, ease is not something that is prioritized in our culture. In fact, it can even be looked down upon. Like if someone has it easy, it's less respected or admired. 
We tend to love an underdog story. We admire perseverance, right? And here's the message that I want to share with you today. No matter how much you prioritize ease and let things be easy, there will still be plenty to persevere through. I promise. Okay? The idea that money is plentiful and easy to make will open you up to new ideas to let it be easy. For instance, instead of overcomplicating it, what if it could be simple? Instead of running yourself into the ground, what if you honored your own resources? Instead of creating struggle in order to justify large amounts of cash, what if you found more pleasure by how much ease you could create to generate it? What if money didn't need to be attached to how hard you worked for it? And lastly, what if money wanted to be easy for you? What if it was always looking for the quickest, straightest way to you with the least amount of obstacles possible? How would that shift your launches and sales conversations? How would that shift how you structure your offerings, your marketing, your work? How would that shift what you say yes to and no to? Would you be willing to walk away and put it down when you knew you were forcing it? Would you indeed let it be easy if you believed it could be? In my opinion, we each have some level of choice around how much we struggle and how much we let things be easy. And you choosing to let things be easy doesn't mean it's always going to be. <laughs> there will still be struggle. You will still get caught up in forcing your timing and your way on things. That's what us humans do. But what it does mean is that you're open to how ease can be part of the plan. And when ease is present, even when the belief that ease can be present, guess what happens to your anxiety? Your stress, right? Letting something be easy is allowing a different way of working to exist. Okay? And I have spent a lot of time leaning into ease here because it is not my MO by any means. But part of letting something be easy is knowing that it can be. And I think the other thing that plays into that is knowing there is plenty of money, that it's always on its way to you. If you ground down into that belief, it will offer a lot more ease and a lot less stress. Okay? Money is plentiful and easy to make. So the third belief I've had to cultivate for myself is this. Money is safe to make, give, save, and receive. And this one is one part trusting yourself with money and also trusting that there is always more of it. Now, we've already covered that last part. So let's dive into this idea that you can trust yourself to steward more money. And I hear this one all the time. I don't trust myself with money. I overspend it, I overgive it, I save all of it, hoarding it away in case money runs out. I don't invest it well. 
I keep going into debt. I keep flying through it, right? I've experienced all of these. And what I had to realize is that there were actually financial traumas, like trauma with a little T, in my past that needed healing and transformation. I had to forgive myself for mistakes I'd made. I had to realize I did the best I could with where I was. And I also had to realize that without a plan in place for managing my money better, I wasn't really setting myself up to build a better sense of self-trust either. Like how would I measure how well I was doing managing my money if there was no system in place, right? So what I realized was that I needed a budget, but also the willingness to uphold my boundaries around it. I needed to learn how to say no and say yes around what I spent my money on and learn to respect its limits while also staying grounded in the idea that money is limitless, both and, right? So learning to steward my money was a huge foundation of learning to trust myself more with it because I knew what I was going to do with it. I knew where it was going. I knew how to direct it. That was one piece, but there were also the fears that acquiring more money would result in negative consequences, such as creating friction between loved ones, losing approval, losing respect, opening myself to being judged, right? Which I've kind of talked about in some of the prior episodes and the trick to navigating these were really coming back to what I knew to be true about me as a person that I would figure out how to deal with those things if they arose as they arose, right? Just simply staying grounded in what I knew to be true about me. And here's the thing. If something doesn't feel safe to have, we will subconsciously repel it. And that goes for success, money, love, you name it. So for this particular belief, I really want you to do some thinking on this one. Because I think this is where most of our work needs to be done. Like, where does it not feel safe for you to receive what you want? Where do you not trust yourself? What things in your past are informing that lack of self-trust? What actions do you need to put into place to feel safer? What actions do you need to put into place to build trust with yourself, right? Now, when it comes to stewarding money, and building that self-trust that you know how to direct it and manage it, I highly recommend adopting the profit first model. It not only gives you percentages for how to allocate your money, but also helps you create a system for stewarding it. It will still be up to you to implement it, (laughs) and it will still be up to you to discern what to invest and how much of your revenue to invest. I currently invest 10 to 15% in my business's revenue. But the structure alone is so helpful in building more self-awareness, more diligence, and more confidence, okay? So money is safe to make, give, save, and receive. All right, this last one is perhaps the one I come back to the most, especially when it comes into expanding into more, and it's this. Money supports my impact. Money is the thing that allows me to grow my business and my reach. It's the thing that continues to add ease for my family. It's the thing that allows me to donate organizations and causes I feel passionate about. More money in the hands of women is a good thing. More money in the hands of spiritual women 
who desire to be compassionate agents of change in the world is too. Because the truth is this, money in this economy equates to power. And I think that it's this piece that we're afraid of. The power money gives us, the voice it gives us, the responsibility it puts on our shoulders to steward it well, to use it for good, to wield it in an ethical way, to go up against corruption in the world and be part of something different. And if this is somewhere where you want to dive in around this intersection between money and power, I highly recommend reading Sacred Success by Barbara Stanny because she dives into this intersection in depth. And it's a phenomenal book in helping you understand just the history that women have had with money, all the things that we need to push through in order to start earning it and how it rubs up against this concept of power. But the thing I come back to again and again is that the more money I make, the more good I can do in the world, the more people I can serve, the more people I can help. And money may not be able to buy happiness. I know plenty of rich people who are miserable, but it can surely buy resources and support. And whether you're investing in those things for yourself or others, I can assure you it's contributing to less stress and more ease or at least it has the potential to. It can do so much good in the world. So having these four core money beliefs is one thing. But the thing I've come to know is that money beliefs are really grounded in something different. (laughs) For several years, I would write down these money affirmations. I'm, I'm sure I did something on some conscious level, but my relationship with money still felt stuck. And it wasn't until I got underneath what was really going on that things started shifting. And that's because, in my opinion, our views around money are deeply related to how we view ourselves. So if your money beliefs feel resistant to change, then I want to offer you a deeper angle. And more specifically, I want to offer you five core self-beliefs that will support a healthier relationship with money because it's these core beliefs that start to build conviction. Okay? We talked about that and how and why to put money first in your business. This difference between conviction and convincing and why it's so important to sales. So as a review, our four core money beliefs are these. Money loves meaning and mindfulness. Money is plentiful and easy to make. Money is safe to make, give, save, and receive. Money supports my impact, okay? So if these feel sticky to step into, here are five core self-beliefs that can help. The first is this, I am someone others want to learn from. Friends, I know it is so easy to wait until someone knocks on your door to tell you, hey, you should really put your thoughts out into the world. (laughs) But I am here to tell you, you can have a million people tell you that, and it won't make any amount of difference until you start believing that for yourself. I know I mostly talk to coaches, therapists, helpers, and healers, but this really goes for any type of business, especially creative ones. This also goes for simply having more confidence and speaking your ideas and opinions into the world. This isn't just about creating content. This is about giving power to your voice, your thoughts, your beliefs, your story. So get buy-in from others if you need to. And I think that we all need to at certain points of our journey. But in the end, it's your own buy-in and yourself that matters. 
you are someone others want to learn from. Embody that and watch what shifts. Number two, I have something of value to share. Along the same lines as I'm someone others want to learn from, we also must trust that our ideas, opinions, thoughts, and beliefs carry value. That the world needs that special something that we have. That simply by being who we are, we bring wealth to the world. Just by being uniquely ourselves, we create impact. And I'll refer back to it'll be hard and it'll be fine episode with the truth that the most potent pieces of ourselves cannot be contained nor buried. We all have something of value to share. So share yourself, your story, your message, your work, your ideas, hell, even your fears, right? Because they all have value. Also, another thing here that's really helped is knowing that you don't have to be the end-all, be-all in your area of expertise, okay? You can simply add to the conversation. Just simply add value to it. You don't have to be all of it. Number three, my unique journey has given me unique gifts and perspectives that no one else on this planet has. Okay. Y'all, this whole podcast is a collection of stories and perspectives that have come from simply living my life and unpacking my own stuff, right? It comes from my own journey mixed with my own gifts that plenty of other people have, by the way, but they're not packaged up just like they are within me, right? Just like they aren't packaged up just like they are within you. So I want you to imagine people coming to you because of the unique perspective you have, of the unique experiences you have. Or maybe they come to you because of the similar perspective that you have with them, or similar experiences that they've had as you. And then imagine people wanting to soak up your wisdom, be near you, Have your talent in their lives. Have your magic positively impact them. No one has the same journey you have. The exact same gifts packaged in the exact same way. Nobody has all of the same perspectives as you. And that alone makes your path priceless. Invaluable, in fact. Trust that. Number four. I am ready, prepared, and capable of sharing my gifts and growing my impact. (laughs) Readiness, preparedness, and capability, friends. How many times do we get stuck here, right? So I want to start here because I think it's important. When I coach couples who are considering separation or divorce, or when I coach entrepreneurs who are considering a business pivot, or when I coach anyone who's considering doing something brave, okay? They each tend to get stuck in the same place, which is waiting to feel 100% ready to take the leap. Waiting to feel 100% prepared before they feel confident. 
waiting to feel 100% capable before they do something they've never done, right? And so I want to just throw an idea out there. What if you didn't need to be at 100% to just take the leap? What if you allowed yourself to lower that threshold, right? And I totally understand needing to be 90 to 95% sure before you walk away from a marriage or make another big life decision like that, okay? But to put yourself out there in the world, like 60% is enough, like hell, 45% is enough for you to take action, okay? And what I want to highlight here is that we can get stuck waiting for 100% before we're really ready to share our gifts with the world. And if that's what you're waiting for, you might not ever feel ready. You might not ever feel prepared. You might not ever feel capable. So the more you can choose less than perfect readiness, less than perfect preparedness, less than perfect capabilities, the more you'll throw your hat in the ring and learn to live on the cusp of ready or not and figure it out as you go, right? And in case you need a reminder, you can be scared and ready, unsure and prepared, inexperienced and deeply capable. Allow yourself to be both and. Lastly, and this one is perhaps the most important when it comes to money, which is number five. I know my inherent value not from what I do, but from who I am. I have spent so many years defining success by the amount of money that was sitting in my checking account. I have also spent a lot of years defining success by how much I'm able to get done, how much change I'm creating for others, how much engagement I'm getting with my content. And this, my friends, is such a slippery slope because money fluctuates a good deal in business and in life. We will have rich times and we will have poor times, right? What you're able to get done also fluctuates with your energy, your time, your resources, the things that are going on in your life that need more of you at that moment. Your engagement with your content, like the things that we are looking at on social media, so much of that is based on algorithms that are operating in the background that are perhaps mostly out of our awareness and most definitely outside of our control, right? But if you define your success by who you are, and more importantly, who you're being, you not only unhook yourself from keeping up with others, but you unhook yourself from seeking metrics outside of yourself that will never be enough. Because just in case you aren't aware, there is always more money to make. There is always more you can be doing. There is always more reach you can be getting, right? So when you ground down into seeing your value and the impact that you naturally bring, this not only acts like gravity for more joy, but it acts like more gravity for cash too. So I would love to hear from you. Out of the four core money beliefs, 
Money loves mindfulness and meaning. Money is plentiful and easy to make. Money is safe to make, give, save, and receive. Money supports my impact. Which one of those is easiest for you to get on board with? Which one is the hardest? And if you've been working on your money beliefs for a while and they're just feeling sticky, they're not budging, then I want you to dig even deeper into the five core self-beliefs and look for the ways that you can gather evidence to either support these or refute them, okay? Because it all comes down to this, friends. The more faith we have in our specialness, the more money we open ourselves up to receive. Because acknowledging the things that make us special grounds us in our greatness. Now, we still have to communicate our greatness verbally. (laughs) But what I also know is that when we trust ourselves and believe in ourselves, we carry ourselves differently through the world. We don't question if we deserve to make good money doing what we love. We see it as a way of allowing ourselves to do even more of it, right? Okay. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for just joining me as we kind of unravel a lot of the things around money and how we start to create, cultivate a deeper, healthier, more loving relationship with it. So if you're loving this podcast, I would love for you to go on iTunes and leave some stars and a quick review for me so I know what you're loving so I can do more of it. We've already had some amazing reviews roll in for season two. I would love to see more of them. It really just takes a couple of minutes of your time. I so appreciate you in advance. And until next time, friends, here's to the courage to show up whole heart, full self, all in. We got this. Mm -hmm.